0: In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners. May the peace and blessings of Allah be with you all. Welcome back to Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting from the biggest mosque of UK, the for Two Mosque. You are listening to a new episode of Breakfast Show. My name is Shah al Ahmed, Ahmad, and I'm joined here with my brother and co-host, friend and more, Asim Hashmi. Asim, good morning, as alaikum.
1: Good morning, as How are you?
0: Uh, well, I'm doing very well. How about you? I'm good, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah. Uh, I saw you there in the mosque, right in the morning sitting. It's actually very nice. You know, you start the day with the f- morning prayer. Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah.
0: And... Uh, that's the good start, basically. You know, you try to get the spirituality, try to get the spirituality. But the most important thing, often, you know, what I think is you at least had the opportunity to talk to a very good friend of yourself who was ready to listen, right? Was Absolutely,
1: definitely. I mean, it was a good start. Um, I started my day uh, with um, praying to God. Exactly, that's and one thing. And
0: yeah. this is what we need. I mean, this is what I need right this is you know it is very simple not to put for a human being you need food you need water to survive and for us for, for believers for, who's trying to get spirituality is spirituality food is the remembrance of Allah
1: absolutely of
0: God. Yeah. and I, this is I believe one of the I mean this is the best way you can basically start you can sit there and you just everything you have in your mind you can leave it out and then you have four times in the during the day the during the day you have again the opportunity four times where you can just release your stress towards him and he's ready to listen. This is a very good thing, dear listeners. Um and I really like this. Awesome. um you know um I was thinking I don't know if you think back about your studies doing Jama or and, and after JAMA. Um, the training we have done a year for a year where we are sent in different yeah, places. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Might be to be honest, I really enjoyed those trips. We went to Africa, we went to Pakistan, we went to Spain and in all these three places we learned new things. Mm-hmm. For me especially, I, I said, in Africa, I have learned quite a lot of new yeah, things. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think Africa was the highlight. You know, we went there for uh, roughly four to six uh, weeks and we stayed there, stayed with the community, learned about uh, more about Africa, basically.
0: And this is very important, you know, where you say we learned more about Africa. For me, and I think you will agree with me, we learned, they educated us. This is what I've seen. And the listeners, today we will talk about what they have taught us. And these are very amazing things they have basically told us to do or basically showed us. And um, this is what we want to share as well today because I think our whole show is in regards of this very great uh, continent, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. So both uh, segments are related to Africa. The first one is that the path of our ancestors from Africa 84,000 years ago. So we'll discuss uh, a few things about that. And then the second segment is that uh, the newest advance against Africa's biggest killer is malaria. And so for the first
0: segment, the listeners, we will have Dr. Muhammad Iqbal, who is a producer and host of uh, Living History on Voice of Islam. And for the whole segment, the listeners, we will have two missionaries of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community based in Nigeria and in, in Samoa, who will talk us through af- Africa and especially about the Nusrat Jaham scheme, Awesome, which is like you have heard it many times, and yeah, I think absolutely. dear listeners, you might be willing to know what this scheme basically is. So if you want to learn about this and if you want to know what how it helped Africa, then do me a favor, stay tuned with the voice of somebody because during the show we will discuss this as well. And dear listeners, as I said, we are going to share our experience about Africa and what we have learned and what they have taught us. If you want to do the same, if you have experience about Africa, about this. The biggest continent of the world then do me a favor do share your th- thought with us as, as well the number is zero two eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight. or you can go on our socials at voice of islam uk but before before we call our guests and before we discuss the first segment awesome uh you know it's going a lot around i mean you see the world you see the news um a lot is happening uh, the if you haven't haven't yet had the chance yet to read the newspaper um i'm just gonna summarize everything uh ab- 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 especially the headlines which are shown in today's papers um we see the Financial Times reports that u s president joe biden has urged Israel not to be consumed by rage over the Hamas attack, to avoid repeating Washington's mistakes after the 2001 terror attacks on the U.S. Now, during uh, his visit, he also urged the Israeli government to allow emergency aid through the Gaza. And um, also, uh, the Financial Times reports, um, that. Inflation, stopburn inflation, is maintaining pressure on the Bank of England to and to hold firms in its effort to curb price rises. The listeners, The Guardians also carries com- comments from Biden's, President Biden during his visit to the Middle East, where he met Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Again, the U.S. sought and got justice for the two and 2001 attacks of the U.S. He said, but also he said, but also made mistakes. It reports that Israel has said it will not fuel the supply of humanitarian aid via Egypt into Gaza as long as supplies do not reach Hamas. And uh, the mirror, this is actually where he said, um, you can see in the mirror a young Palestinian child covered in blood. And um, the main headline is basically that US President Biden is warning Israel not to make, again, the same mistakes the which the US has done on 9 11. Uh, we carry on. Um, also the same you can see in the Times, the Daily Te- Telegraph, also the um, uh, um, reporting the same. Um, also we, uh, what well we can see by the Daily Te- Telegraph is that Mr. Sunak, the Prime Minister, expect is expected to meet relatives of several Israeli British nationals being held hostage by Hamas during his two-day visits, which is, which starts today. Um, and it also carries a photograph of Mr. Biden with his arm around the shoulders of Israeli Prime Minister Mr. Netanyahu during his visit to the country. Of course, one thing it also covers is that the speech made by King Charles in London, which he called civility and tolerance. And again, uh, the sun is also showing a picture of a young Palestinian boy uh, who's wounded very badly. Um, and it's reports that Mr. that President Biden has cleared Israel of blame over the Gaza hospital blast. He told Israel's prime minister, based on what I've seen, it appears I thought it was done by the other team, not you. Well, these are differences we have seen in, in social media that there are other proofs as well. So whatever it is, the only thing what we want and what our stance is that it should come to an end because the Qajdi is a lot.
1: Absolutely, and we don't want any more casualties. Definitely. And civilians are dying yeah. from
0: both sides. And uh, of course we we condemn condemn Hamas attack uh, but also we condemn the innocent laws of on the side of pa- the Palestinian, And uh, this is very important because Every time we, we read this, as, as a, the, the one and main thing which comes into my mind about what Islam has taught us is that whatever that person is, whoever that person is, if he believes in God or not, if he's a Muslim or not, this is not what should matter because God has created us and God loves us equally as well. Yeah. And the only thing what we he, he wants from us is that we show... The same respect, love towards these people as well, and you know, Asim, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he had thought of these things, and he showed very good examples as well. That when um, his enemies, even they, they needed anything, when they were in urgent need, he would give his supplies to these people. Right? We have this very good example of, um, uh, sorry, I forgot, I forgot the name of that person who came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, Abu Sufyan, yes, who, who converted to Islam very late, but he came to, before when he converted to Islam, he was, he fierce enemy of Islam. Mm-hmm. Now the listeners, he came and he asked for aid as well, one day, for his people. And without hesitation, the Holy Prophet said, yes, of course. So he prepared food and water for him so he can give it to his people, knowing that these people might attack his followers as well. And again, but even though, You can see the very good example and this is one example we should follow and we should know that there are rules which the Holy Prophet peace be upon him has established for war as well. Not to kill a woman, not to kill a child, not to kill innocent people, not to cut a tree. You know, even he looked after after the infrastructure of the country not to destroy that. Mm -hmm. So you can see that the wars of the Holy Prophet were not based on killing or on taking lands. It was based on those who attacked him, to do, uh, to defend himself against these people. And uh, this is the thing that um, the war, sh- uh, which uh, there shouldn't be any war, first of all, if there's a war, then this war should be happening between Hamas and the Israeli um, army, but civilians shouldn't be
1: killed. Absolutely. I mean, we, we can see that uh, whatever the Holy Prophet has taught us, is right now it's happening the opposite. So we do hope and pray that no civilians are harmed from now, and uh, this so gets sorted out really, really quickly because it needs to, otherwise, it can be very dangerous for both parties.
0: Indeed, and dear listeners, um, we have more news to share as well. Um, DI is reporting that, uh, it says that there is mortgage hope as a panel of economists have predicted the Bank of England won't raise interest rates despite infl- inflation remaining unchanged this month. An economist has told the Financial Times interest rates are unlikely to be cut before next year. And the National Theatre in London is experimenting with earlier starts times so audience can have more time for post-show chats, dinner and drinks without having to rush off and catch a train. Now, according to The Telegraph, the paper says some performance next year will begin at 630 30. If you're interested, I don't know. Um, uh, have you been ever to the theater before? I remember when I was in the kindergarten. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I've, this is, that story was amazing. I still have it in mind. This is basically very funny. So the story was about um, a tiger and his brother. Both were tigers, okay. <laughs> but that one tiger, he had... Uh, the, 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 that one tiger, he was um, different. He had... Um, in this sense, that he wanted to go, he once found in the water a bottle. In that bottle, he found a map of Panama, and mm-hmm. he wanted to go that, to that place. Okay. So the the show's called the name's called is My Journey to Panama.
1: My Journey to Panama. Yes. Oh,
0: okay. And, and then he took his brother as well to go to Panama. Mm-hmm. In the end, they end up to come back to the same place, but they thought <laughs> this is Panama, <laughs> so they how the new place which they have found is the same. Like they left. Oh, okay, okay. The only thing is that they thought this is Panama because they followed the map, and somehow, right in the beginning, they were already in Panama, but just they didn't know it. Uh, okay, okay. Somebody funny story I saw that was Um, Asim, I don't know. Do you do you follow cricket World Cup? I've I've watched one match. Uh, this was uh, not full of only half of it. Uh, mm-hmm. India against Pakistan. Oh yes, yes. Uh, I went to one of three of my uh, relatives and. Uh, uh, I think Pakistan uh, lost. Yeah. yeah uh, the thing is, I think because I ha- I wasn't paying interest. interest, uh, interest um, That's why we lost. Well. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't know because we won. I don't have any interest in cricket. I no. know the World Cup is happening.
1: It is, yes. Uh, uh, I am watching most matches. Where are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's a long format. 50-50, right?
1: It's a long format, yeah, yeah.
0: And uh, I've heard yeah. that the Olympia is also allowing to have cricket not the coming Olympia but in 2028 oh
1: that's interesting
0: with 10 overs
1: with 10 overs oh, okay it's already happening somewhere but I can't remember where but yeah that would be interesting format
0: it will be um, I'd say that f- for example you know football is like a world language because it's played everywhere but if it comes at when the match between Pakistan and India happen, the audience is so big that it the numbers are even more than uh uh, Doing uh during a regular World Cup match, football regular football match, yeah. so you can see the the expectation. This is a
1: highly. This this love goes far back.
0: Very very far back. Um. So what is our standings of the cricket World Cup?
1: So we had uh, quite a few interesting matches. Um, any
0: any surprises like for uh, example? Won- well,
1: at the moment, the standings are that the New Zealand is top. With eight points, then we go India six points, and we go South Africa four points. Pakistan is four points, uh, England uh, only two points, Bangladesh two points, Australia, Netherlands, and Afghanistan also two points, and Sri Lanka zero points.
0: So it's oh zero points.
1: So we we had the Sri Lanka and India. I believe it was final for 2020, and at the moment they have zero points. Sri Lanka, so. I think yeah, Sri Lanka is a bit of a shocker. They, they have a very, very amazing team. But maybe because it's a 50-50 format. I, I'm and shocked really about England because I know... England has a very good team as well. I,
0: I know for a fact that England is the defending champion. And I thought they're going to do like much better. Oh mm-hmm. they got only two points. Uh, how many matches have they played?
1: They've played three matches. So they've played one less match than New Zealand.
0: Okay, though it even though if point. they win they got a little, still got four points, this means that they're still four points behind first place. Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting, interesting. And we had some international and European uh cou- cou- matches as well. Uh um and uh, there I think f- few spots are already taken for the European um champion uh for the European um tournament. I know that for example Portugal has qualified. Yeah. And uh I know that a few other teams, and I know, I know that the biggest, one of the biggest star of football, Erling Broad Holland, no, is yeah. not going to participate because Norway has no chance to qualify at this mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And this is very surprising, you know, you are so good. You play for Manchester City, and there are so many footballers. If you look in the history of football, so many footballers who have achieved so many things for the club level. For example, Ryan Giggs is the first person that comes to my mind. He has won everything with Manchester United, but he never played a big tournament versus nation? Mm.
1: It's, it's it's mainly because, you know, a single person can't really do everything, you know. He, he can't win the country. So if uh, Erling Haaland that even did play for, uh, I think, Norway, right? Norway. So, I mean, I'm not sure how much a difference would it make. Even if he scored a few goals, they will still, um, you know, defenders maybe not that great. And they will end up probably losing, but yeah, that's how it is. That because the on the club level you have so many different high-class players, and uh, but on the national level, you know they don't really play, and um, they don't have that uh, good chemistry. It's just like England. You know, England had a, you know, the golden era, but uh, they really didn't do well in that golden that era. That golden
0: era was very amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Talking about England, England is also qualified. Dear listeners, for the Euros 2024 uh even though they have one match less than uh, ukraine but still um they have been qualified and they will remain first in the group as well um we talked about portugal um they have they won their match as well and they have been they have qualified as well france has been qualified has qualified as well and in their group they have netherland and greece and those two teams they will play, not against each other, but they will play for the n- th remaining second place. Right now, it is Holland, who is second. with Uh Greece the third. Both have 12 points.
1: But you can see that Netherlands played six games and Greece played seven games. This is one yeah. um, big advantage for big Netherlands. One for
0: the uh, Netherlands as well, indeed. Depends if they win both matches. You never know. You know, football is a the listeners and uh, awesome. You, you, you will agree with me as well football in the end is a game where you can't say anything for sure
1: absolutely yeah.
0: In it can be like, like you know you can be very good in the qualifications round and then in knockout stages you can lose your first match in the knockout stages
1: Portugal has actually the most points in any group they've got 24 points and goal differences is 30 this is what I'm saying so yeah.
0: You can be very good in the qualification. Exactly, yeah. And then in the end, you turn up to be the biggest flop of the tournament. So this is for footballers. um, And this is
1: what we need. Absolutely. So we have some other news. As Storm Babbitt, um, it says stay at home warning for red weather alert areas. Uh, People in parts of Scotland have been urged to avoid travel and stay at home. With storm Babbitt expected to bring severe flooding and disruption, the Met Office has issued a red, a rare red weather warning for exceptional rainfall in uh, Angers and other st- areas, stating there's risk to life. An amber and aimed by a yellow warning for wind and rain cover other parts of the UK. So the storm is currently hitting Ireland, with the army deployed to a town where more than hundred properties were flooded the Met Office weather warning runs from 6 p.m. on Thursday today until noon on Friday with between 10 to 15 centimeters which is four to six inches of rain expected to fall quite quite widely within the warning period and some locations likely to see between 20 to 25 centimeters which is 8 to 10 inches of rain so the red warning states that there is danger to life from fast-flowing or deep flood water uh, in the Aberdeenshire and Angus with extensive flooding and road closure also expected as well as warning of wind gusts in excess of 70 miles per hour affecting coastal areas. It also warned of collapsed or damaged buildings and power cuts and some uh, areas could be cut off for days. So this is a rare red weather warning for some areas in Scotland.
0: So dear listeners, uh, especially those living in
1: the north in Scotland, make
0: sure that you stay safe in your homes and we pray as well that um, this weather and the concentration of the world is down. Um, you know, um, Rasimah, uh, His Holiness as Allah has also urged world leaders Many, many times to come down and uh, to remove, uh, to set away their ego and to come and uh, to discuss this, how we can maintain peace. Because uh, we had the uh, League of Nations before after the First World War to avoid Second World War. Yeah. And they failed. Now we have the UN, which was established for this only purpose, to avoid wars. And we have seen too many wars. And I still believe that world leaders, leaders of these big nations, if they come together, and when they listen to the words of His Holiness, May Allah be his helper, what advice he gave to the teachings of the Holy Quran, we will real, realize that it is basically that one way to maintain peace, which is, first of all, to recognize his creator Allah, mm-hmm. and then to have... Um, the same respect and love for his creation as well, which we have for God as well, and then of course to set uh, to to remove like you know to forget his own ego to forget his own wish and just to focus on the world how we can maintain peace in the world because in the end we are all human beings, we all have feelings as well, and we don't don't want to see this because this is a very dangerous situation right now which we are going to and uh one thing um dear listeners is that Allah the Almighty, this uh, God in Islam, he has described himself in the Holy Quran as Salam, uh, which means that he is the source of peace. And Asim, I think, you know, a true believer, he's always, he will try to follow and to adopt the attributes of Allah.
1: Absolutely, definitely. I mean, His Holiness has, as you said, you know, um, told us so many times uh, about the World War um I believe it's been more than 10 to 12 years that he's been warning us, but I think our leaders just need to take uh, his words seriously and, um, you know, take heed indeed, upon indeed. All, all the words he said and actually listen. Listen, And to that hopefully and the world can be a better and place. there are booklets, there are books,
0: the listeners. All the speeches which he has done and which he has given in different parliaments, they have been gathered together in one book which is known The Pathway to Peace and you can find that book on al-islam.org uh, where you can read the book uh, where you can find um, many references he gave basically for the teachings of the Holy Quran uh, which can help us to maintain peace in the society as well which is very important to the listeners, especially nowadays as well um, And Absolutely
1: th- and you know the Outreach department of the Ahmadi Muslim Community actually has made a leaflet about this as well, which is Stop World War Three, and we have taken all the different accounts of His Holiness and stuff. And you can actually go to the website, which is Stopww3 uh, dot uh, com, and uh, I mean sorry dot co dot uk, and find out more and help as well and spread this message.
0: And um, just one thing, you know, in the end, you know, <coughs> His Holiness he has been called many times as the champion of peace as well. And which shows because he is the leader of Islam, which shows that Islam is basically based on peace as well. And again, coming to the point which I just made earlier, that God is, as uh, said that He's is Salam, one of his attributes, which is the source of peace. And a true believer will always try to adopt that particular attribute as well. So even a true believer, a Muslim, should... Uh, follow or should adapt um, that attribute and should try to maintain peace in the society. Dear listeners, we will start just very um, shortly with the first segment, but before we do so, we go for a short break. Um, Dear listeners, if you're having your breakfast right now, do enjoy your breakfast. Do me a favor while having your breakfast. Stay in tune with the Voice of Islam Radio, and we will be back after a short break.
2: Writings of the Promised Messiah It should be remembered that God Almighty, by demanding faith in the unseen, does not wish to deprive the believers of certainty of understanding the divine. Indeed, faith is a ladder for arriving at the certainty of understanding, without which it is vain to seek true understanding. Those who climb this ladder surely experience for themselves the pure and undefiled spiritual verities. When a sincere believer accepts divine commands and directions for the only reason that God Almighty has bestowed upon him through a righteous bearer, he becomes deserving of the bounty of understanding. That is why God Almighty has established a law for his servants, that they should first acknowledge him by believing in the unseen, so that all the problems they face. May be resolved through the bounty of true understanding. But it is a pity that a hasty one does not adopt these ways.
0: In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful dear listeners, Aslamualikum warahmatullahi wa, rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. may the peace and blessings of Allah be with you. Coming, welcome back to Breakfast Show, dear listeners. Um, and we start with our first segment, which is about Africa, the path of our ancestor from Africa. 84,000 years ago and in this segment, dear listeners, you are, are, we are going to talk about the Ahmadiyya Muslim community as well, especially about the Nusra Jahan scheme and how that scheme helped uh, that great uh, um, continent of Africa. The listeners, if you have experience of about Africa and uh, you want to share your thought, you can do so. The number is 208 And awesome. Uh, the great thing is that uh, for this segment, we have two scholars from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, who are basically from Africa as well. Right now, with us, uh, we have y- uh, Yusuf Abdul, uh, who is from Nigeria, a missionary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Um, Yusuf Abdul, uh, uh, good morning, Assalamualaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh, and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Assalamualaikum Warahmatullahi
3: Wabarakatuh,
0: thanks for having me. It is. Um, Basically uh I need to say thank you that you have taken out your time to join us. Uh, you're going to be here for the whole segment and um Yusuf, we have a lot of questions to ask um, um especially about Nusa scheme as well. Um and uh, I just you know because uh um th- a lot of our listeners have never heard about the scheme before. Just for our listeners, can you introduce the Nusa scheme?
3: Uh, it was the period of the year 1970 when Shadat visited the West African countries, Sierra uh, Leone, and Nigeria as well. And during that period of time, he was uh, able to notice of uh, things, and among things, is the need for Africa to stand on its own, most especially in the aspect of education and uh, health facilities, uh, with the uh, very fact that the purpose of uh, the jamaat Islamia Ahmadiyya comes with the liberation of humanity from the clutches of deception and imposition. So within the period, uh, out of the goodwill of the Khalifa, he, when he returned, he actually launched the scheme of uh, the National General Scheme. And upon return to uh, Pakistan uh, d- during that year, he also called uh, the Jamaat around, basically in Pakistan and all around the globe, to make some contributions for the development of Africa, most especially in the aspect of education and in the aspect of health facilities.
0: Amazing! It's very amazing um, what you just shared with uh, us. Because you have mentioned uh, also the third caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim uh, community, and m- now my question is that: um, how m- much influence did the caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community had on the progress of Africa?
3: From the beginning, from the inception, I would say uh, the influence the Ahmadiyya Muslim, uh, the caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, has. On the African continent, based on the religious aspect and uh, the secular aspect, is quite huge. It's huge, and we can uh, we'll be able to gauge it in this perception, most especially for Muslims, that the period of arrival of the Jamaat Ahmadiyya in Africa, coincided. I mean, meant a particular period of time that the Muslims were totally backward at that time. It wasn't backward mm-hmm. on their own will but the scheme which the colonial government put in place or was already going to eradicate the existence of Islam totally. One of the schemes is education in particular, such that as our fathers used to relate to that there was a condition after the colonial government was able to put an end to the existing madrasas, the existing system of education and schools within Africa. Then they set a rule, they set a system of education such that the students are, I mean, Africans are able to attend schools, but those schools are actually uh, religious schools, Christian schools, and they you are only admitted with the condition of bringing the name of your church, the name of the church you attend as part of the conditions to uh, get admission into the school. Therefore, Muslims were not were not having the chance to be educated because you have the condition to convert into Christianity or at least. To claim yourself to be a christian before you can attend those schools by that it was obvious situation that muslims were already losing ground totally and uh, the situation was if either you are not educated you remain backward or you convert to christianity then you get education in order to live a comfortable life and be aware uh, and have awareness of what is going on within the country so that was the peculiar situation the Jamaat Ahmadiyya met uh, Nigeria and other West African countries, let me say Africa in general. But it was the blessed decision of Hazrat Khalifat Masih Sani, Hazrat Khalifat Masih II, Hazrat Muslim Awud, Rabbi Ta'ala, and who was the descendant of Mawlana Abdullah Hindalya to West Africa in the first place that aided, that um, changed the game totally for people in Africa, for Muslims in particular, because it was with the establishment of the Jama'a, mm-hmm. we started having schools that Muslims are able to attend, and Christians are also able to attend alike, without the condition, without the condition that one needs to change its religion, one needs to change its faith. Therefore, it had a huge impact on the people, even the, um, there are the renowned scholars till nowadays, I and mean, to this moment, we need to mention that they attended the, I mean non-Ahmadi school, like they attended the Jamaat Ahmadiyya school, and this was the system then. This was the system which benefited them. They were not forced to convert into Ahmadiyya, nor were the Christians forced to convert into Islam, but the system was put in place that the Ahmadis they Ahmadis who whoever wants to join the community obviously can join, but it wasn't by any form of uh, juries. Likewise, the Christians, kept their faith, the Muslims, the non-Ahmadi Muslims also kept their faith. So I would say that makes the first aspect I will, uh, I will try to indicate in the influence of the Khalifa in Africa in order to create balance in the aspects of education. The other thing I would like to look into is the vision of the Khalifa for Africa. We can see that with uh, the lessons of Khalifa uh, the schools that are already established as uh, at five years ago under the I mean as a, the year 2017 under the uh, scheme of no strategy hand were already going to 700, around 684 to be precise schools and 36 hospitals, and beside that we see a series of uh, health camps, health camps that are held for the sake of. Uh, people all around the West, all around the African continent, and one thing that is actually important in this, in those health camps, is people are mostly treated free of charge. Free of charge. Likewise, they do not even bring any aspect of compelling people to even look at the side of Ahmadiyya or Islam. On the contrary, it is only for the sake of humanity that those health facilities. Was placed under the guidance, the guidance of the Khalifa of the time. This is something I've witnessed myself. I will know how uh, the, when those days when I was even in Kenya, the doctors who come to Kenya, they camp in Kenya for two three days in order to plan ahead for the uh, earth, uh, camp they are going for. And by the time they return, they give a whole lot of reports of how uh, pathetic the situations of people are just because could afford to pay for their own health. But alhamdulillah, the blessings of Khalafahs has brought uh, happiness, joy to the face of many homes within Africa. Uh, that aside, we can also look into the uh, project of modern villages, uh, villages that are actually in remote areas that even Africans themselves, I mean, people within the of Africa of Africa will not choose, will not wish to go to those Villages because of how remote they are and the difficulties to pass through the tracks. Therefore, despite uh, it is quite important and amazing to see that people even from outside Africa, from uh, either from Europe, from uh, Pakistan in particular, where himself uh, came to Ghana at that time during in the 1970s under the Nkrumah Jahan scheme and even from America, from all around the globe, people who are actually having a comfortable life of their own will not take the pain to travel within those difficult tracks for the, in order to develop different villages of Africa where people are actually suffering. And are already it was, I mean, when visiting, visiting those areas, it's somehow apparent that those areas are somehow cut away from the interest of the government.
0: Interesting. No, it's very interesting what you just shared about history, uh, especially, and that, you know, one amazing thing I like about uh, Africa is that, um, the, the thing is that it's unites unite everyone, right, regardless from what faith they are. And this is what we can learn as well. This is what Nusra Jahan's scheme did as well, you know, a scheme from the Muslim community, but invited everyone to come and to learn and to study. And, uh, you know why it is very important for us, dear listeners, that we should know about the country, uh, the continent of Africa as well, and I think, Asim, you will uh, now um, focus on this as well, is that it is said uh, that early humans, they migrated from Africa 84,000 years ago and to populate the rest of the world by following river roads through Jordan, not not going via the Red Sea as previously thought, Now, according to new scientific studies. And uh, so we can say our oh, ancestors Asim, are basically from Africa as well, but as I said um news studies have said that um our early ancestors were from africa um are there any like evidence you can give to us Awesome?
1: absolutely you know the the emergence of um modern human uh, took place in Africa approximately uh, two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand years ago, so Africans migrated out of Africa around. 84,000 years ago to populate other regions uh, of the world and uh, also researchers from you know the University of Southampton and Shantou University in China conducted field works in Jordan's rift valley uh, so ancient hand tools were discovered buried in you know the sediment of previously flowing rivers which are now dried up uh luminance uh dating techniques were used to establish the age of the tools dating back to approximately eighty four thousand years ago. So earlier beliefs suggested you know the migration from the Horn of Africa um to southwestern Arabia through the Red Sea during uh low sea levels. Uh, also the recent discovery of tools supports an alternative theory that uh, basically, you know, suggest a land-based route to the north and leading towards Jordan. Uh, Also, according to the study published in the, you know, journal Science Advances, their migration paths followed ancient river channels, which are now right due to uh, drying up over time. So we can see that there were different ways which they could have traveled you know uh, through jordan and low sea levels and through river channels uh, ancient rivers
0: oh it's in, in, in interesting uh, uh, to know that um and uh, you know uh, as i said uh, this is the list of this is basically was uh, what what actually combines us as well that um we um we are basically based from that same continent as well do you know this is one point we just mentioned earlier ago as well that we are basically one right one human being that therefore you should respect each other as well uh, as well uh, and uh, um, just uh, um, sorry you know Yusuf uh, because you're from Africa as well um, me and my um, awesome we both we, were, we went to Africa as well. We have seen like uh, the the, sure. the the way of living, which was very amazing, right? And we learned so many things, which was totally amazing. And the listeners, I if you went to Africa as well, and if you want to share your thought as well, you can do so. The number is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or you can go on a social at Voice of Some UK. But Yusuf, coming back to you, um, you you are based in Nigeria, right? i currently in Kenya. Okay.
3: I'm from Nigeria. I spent the most part of my life in Nigeria.
0: All right, okay. And what is your role over there? In Nigeria or China? In Nigeria. Okay, Uh,
3: basically, I mean, I was born in Nigeria, raised in Nigeria, and attended all... uh, uh, I had all my trainings on the beach in Nigeria then. uh, I attended Kenya, Ahmadiyya, Nigeria. So I
0: became a missionary initially in Nigeria before I got a chance to attend the General International in Ghana. Interesting. So basically you are the missionary of the Hamidi Muslim community. Um, and uh, you, you, you talked about the uh, Khulafas as well and how they... You know, the thing is, um, Yusuf, um, as I said, for me it is very important th- uh, that we sh- need to express this point that We are basically uh, from the same place, and uh, um, this is um, this is what we need, you know. And then again, uh, Yusuf, one thing which combines us is uh, that we are Ahmadi Muslims, right? We are from the same community, and uh, um, forward, you know, for the uh, benefit of our of our listeners, Yusuf, um, is there any any advice or guidance? Which you have received from uh, our beloved Caliph, May Allah be that you have had in, that uh, you have, uh, and that you want to uh, share as well, uh, especially in regards of the uh, Nusa scheme scheme.
3: Okay. Uh, firstly, if you permit, before going to that aspect in particular, I would just like to go in line with the statement you've made repeatedly that we are a single set of people. I mean, that statement is quite amazing and. I see it's echoing the same statement that Arafat Khalifat Mahathir and mentioned to the earliest uh, African brothers that, that visited uh, him in, uh, the subcon- in the India subcontinent, that you see how we live here and you see how we have treated you as we are brothers. That's a direct indication that you always bear it in mind that we are the same set of people and we are brothers. I'm just uh, paraphrasing the statement that I could, as best as I could remember that. You have already witnessed the brotherhood within us and you, so you just have to bear it in mind that there is no special distinction between us. We are better, and that uh, message always inspires me a lot, in lot, because if the Khalifa uh, was saying that it sent a huge message to the continent of Africa, Besides, I will like to uh, mention the uh, the kind of uh, blessing that I would say that Africa is having in relation to Khilafat, but prior to the Khilafat itself, I would say that on one side, we can say that even the establishment of Jama'at in uh, West Africa, in Nigeria to be particular, came through the hands of Haddad Masi Ma'odani himself, even though he never visited Africa in person. But uh, one of the things that brought the early conversion of the Jama'at Ahmadiyya was actually the vision of a non a scholar of that time meeting Haddad Masi Maud, and received the message, gave the message to people that, see, I have received the message, I have met the, a man in my dream who told me he is the Mahdi, and he is the awaited Mahdi, and is going to visit this country of ours. But it may give the message clearly that when he comes, he will not come in person, but a companion of his will come to represent him. But that period of time as well, you yourself that I'm giving this message will not be amongst So tell your people to accept him when he comes. So I mean, obviously referring to the coming of Fadzul Maulana Abdulrahim
4: Najah,
3: mm. the other Andrew, and that an arrival of Fadat Maulana Abdulrahim Najah that fulfilled the message the uh, scholar that scholar received directly from Hazrat Imam Mahdi a.s. A.s. made a huge impact in the foundation of Ashmadiya Muslim community in Nigeria and in West Africa, most most importantly when there was a conversion of ten thousand in at once in the in those early days. So I would say that we actually started receiving the blessings from the period of Hazrat Imam Mahdi a.s. 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 Then in relation to the Khalefah, as uh, I do remember well, the Amir of Ghana always said that whenever the Khalifa of the time visits Africa, it is like taking us 15 years ahead of the present state. Amazing. That is uh, an obvious uh, message that we bear witness to because mm-hmm. one of the aspects that is a testimony to that is the national scheme itself. And the actual balance that was kept within the uh, African continent with the Af- arrival of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And you can actually view the difference in the standard of the countries that have high influence of the Jamaat Ahmadiyya as against those that have little influence of the Jamaat Ahmadiyya. I mean, the difference are quite obvious. So we can clearly say that the blessing of the Caliphate comes in accordance with uh, each and every message the Khalifa gives to us. One of the blessings I would like to mention is the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the sacred, or uh, let me say, the noble staff of Hazrat muslim Al Jannah who that was give, that was given as a gift to the Jamaat Nigeria. That indicates a kind of the kind of bond and love that exists mm-hmm. between the Khalifa and West Africa. And I believe you. I mean, people are well aware of what goes on within. Um, uh, Ghana and the current Khalifa. I mean, I don't need to retreat that again and again because all always view Ghana as a, I mean, Ghana's say that Ghana is the second country of the Khalifa and exactly. the Khalifa actually didn't reject that statement. So there are many fascinating things I mean, we've enjoyed. Up to the point of Korea, the Amir of Nigeria was mentioning the other time that, uh, they had the proposal, they had the idea to establish a treaty and in the location, they all agreed within the uh, meeting that we are going to establish this particular location. The message, I mean, the letter was sent to the uh, to the Khalifa, despite the fact that Khalifa the Khalifa was not living in Nigeria. He was able to point out to them that this location we are talking about, you wouldn't actually get the space there. And the, I must sent the message back home that people should actually get to the location to live. And amazingly, I mean, the space they were expecting to get was actually not there It wasn't there anymore. That indicates the kind of connection within the mind of the califa and the existence of West African countries. I mean, these are things we can continue to retreat again and again and we will not uh, will not finish uh, in there because there are just numerous blessings we have received from uh, the uh, from the khulafa, either for the period of the uh, Muslim Maud, and the caliphate of the third, the caliphate of the fourth, and the present caliphah has
0: No, this is very true that what you have pointed out about the caliph as well. That you know, um, I think everyone will agree that even though he he's based in London, but it is like he's everywhere. His, and the uh, one thing, you know, we always are connected with the Khalif is that he prays for us as well. He has mentioned it many, many times as well. And even like for Africa, and I think uh, a lot of people envy you that for that as well, as he has already said that Ghana is his basically his second home. And he himself has said that he is Ghanaian as well. So uh, you can see the love affection. We have seen it many times,
1: also, right? Absolutely. T- I mean, it's probably one of the reasons why we all sent to Africa as well to experience all the love and uh, you know the, the the togetherness of our community that's why we, we go there for four to six weeks to experience everything which happened in africa you know and uh exactly and you know this affection th-
0: we have seen like from Khalifa Rabi as well the fourth caliph as well and uh Yusuf already mentioned the sec- third caliph as well and of course the second caliph he presented a uh, g- gift to nigeria as well that love they have for these people is immense, and you can't, you you know, cook, you, but sometimes you can't compare it. And you know, the reason is because these people are worthy of that love. And the the show, this uh, this is what I've seen. Like you know, we, I went to Africa, they welcomed me, uh, and uh, you know they shared their food with me, they shared the home with me. It is like I went to see my other family. You haven't seen it for yeah, a long time. Absolutely, definitely. Dear listeners, this is uh, um, uh one amazing thing we can we know from about Africa. And uh, as I just mentioned earlier, if you want to share more of your thought uh, from Africa, uh, you can do so. You, the number is zero two eight six eight seven seven eight seven. Or you can go on our social at Voice of Islam. UK. dear listeners, we go for a short break now, Um and uh, we will be back. And after that, we will have another guest with us as well, who is. Dr. Muhammad Iqbal, and we will carry on um, about Africa and how our ancestors basically came from Africa and migrated in different parts of the world as well. We will carry on with the history of Africa as well. So, do me a favor, stay in tune with the Voice Islam Radio, uh, and we are going to be back after a short break.
2: You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting on DAB and via the Internet 24 hours a day.
0: In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. And um, I think, dear listeners, to be honest, we should carry on. We should uh, study more about... About our ancestors and how they came from Africa, but also we should focus on the Nusrat Jahan scheme. But before we do so, uh, and Yusuf, we have uh, another guest with us, which is Dr. Muhammad Iqbal, who is the producer and host of the Living History on Voice of Islam r- Radio. Uh, you can listen to his shows as well on Sword Cloud. Um, Dr. Muhammad Iqbal, Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Good morning and welcome to the breakfast show.
4: assalam and thank you for having me.
0: Um, it is always great to have you to be honest, last time I really, really enjoyed it with you uh, and this time I'm saying I'm going to do the same as well because um you know it is about history as well, and I like history, and mm. I want to um just to know that about its conception th- because religion speaks about creationism in particular we see that in the holy Bible as um, particular, but science tells us about evolution of life on earth. Now, what is the Quranic perspective on this?
4: Well, the Islamic faith and the Holy Quran is full of uh, wisdom and guidance uh, in relation to this. Uh, I mentioned, I think, one of your previous programs, there are 750 verses in relation to nature, human development, creation of the universe, etc. About 250 in terms of sort of so- social moral guidance, etc. So it gives a clear indication that mankind should study of how they originated and then try to wonder about why uh, they were, came into being and they were created. Uh, so it's an amazing book and you know, there is nothing that contradicts modern science, uh, which is very appealing for us Muslims, and uh, you know, I'm a scientist myself. Unfortunately in the bible there are contradictory statements and this is where you have this problem between religion and science and i can go into some of the specifics if you wish but that that's the main thing
1: thank you very much um so dr Muhammad Iqbal, um current understanding is that um you know the modern humans have developed in, uh, in you know in the northeastern part of africa and started to spread around the world roughly Uh, 70,000 years ago. Uh, So it is understood that the first spread outside the region across the Red Sea into the Arabian uh, Peninsula and so could he shed some light on the development of religious thoughts amongst humans from then onwards?
4: Yes, uh, I mean, archaeology has given us a lot of information, and that now, combined with, uh, you know, um, fossil studies and genetic studies, uh, DNA, etc., has given us a pretty good picture of uh, how mankind evolved. And as you said, all the theories point to uh, emergence from Africa. It is called Out of Africa uh, theory. Uh, Modern human beings, uh, Homo sapiens, as we are, are known, I thought to have migrated uh, out of uh, Africa um, around uh, 50 to 100,000 years ago. So you know your figure of 80,000 or 70,000 is roughly uh, right. Um, Homo sapiens had developed somewhere between 150 to 300,000 years ago in Africa, and prior to Homo sapiens, there were obviously other Homo um, species as well. So. Habilis, you know, the tool maker, as we commonly uh, call, prior to that, Homo erectus as well. So there's been waves of migrations out of Africa, and there is obviously common linkage. So modern human beings came from Africa, settled into the sort of Asiatic areas, then into Northern Europe and across towards uh, China, etc. Um, it's believed that clearly they were early hunter-gatherers, you know. Uh, they, they, they hunted animals, lived in caves, and uh, um, looked after their families. But later on, they settled down into farming communities. And some of the earliest farming communities were around sort of twelve to 15,000 years ago, including places like Jericho, etc., uh, around Syria, Turkey, border, etc., and settlements by developing some religious practices were beginning to be picked up by archaeology as well from a religious point of view obviously we have the Holy Quran and the Bible sort of points to you know the story of uh, Adam and Eve etc um, which in spiritual matters it's very very good and informative but uh, from a scientific point of view the Genesis count is uh, um, not correct to be honest and uh, you know one of the, um, uh, the, the the biblical scholars sort of pointed to about three thousand plus BC for creation of man and everything. and um, Bishop Usher from Ireland had created the uh, the creative put the creative period to about four thousand BC, which really now equates to about six thousand years ago or so. but clearly, uh, the figures we've talked about from a scientific point of view are very, very different. But the Holy Quran doesn't point to specific uh, figures. It points to periods when creation took place, how uh, how mankind was created through different stages and different phases. And then it also points to the embryological development, how you take uh, merging of two simple cells, their DNA, and how the different shapes of the embryo are made, etc. And this is the journey, uh, uh, in terms of the millions and millions of years of development uh, on earth for human beings. And when God eventually revealed himself and guided him and taught him by the plan what, what he knew not. you know This is what the Holy Quran. very first revelation to the Holy Prophet was sure. that, look, I've created you in different phases, uh, in different shapes, uh, etc. And then I taught you um, what you didn't know. And that's how you became differentiated from other animals as well. And at the end of it, we are related to everything else on earth, made from the dust of the earth and made from water. God made every living thing out of water and that's scientifically proven.
0: Amazing. Um, Yusuf, you had a question for Dr. Muhammad Iqbal as well.
3: Yes, uh, Dr. Saeed, uh Just as it's mentioned in the Holy Quran, uh, science has given us the knowledge that there are different types of, uh, different phenotypes that have developed among humans Despite from common ancestors, uh, I would just like to uh, know if this process, uh, this process of diversification, still continues. Is it coming on, or is it stopped?
4: Yeah, I mean, there are clearly, you know, if you go across the world and traveling is such an important uh, guidance and thing for Muslims uh, to see and to observe, you'll see very different features in you. You know, if you go to China, Korea, Japan, then you come over to Europe, then you go down to Africa, uh, Siberia, etc. Now, these these are characteristics that have developed based on the impact of the environment on the uh, you know, human development, and apart from uh, sort of Homo sapiens coming out of Africa with a common uh, DNA, they also, um, uh, how would you say, uh, uh, merged and uh, uh, had obviously relationship with previous humans as well. Neanderthal man, Denisovan man, these, these are people that had been there even before. And so some of those characteristics are there and picked up. and uh, um, you know the environment in what you eat, etc, the level of nutrients, the level of sunshine, uh, all, all these have an impact in terms of pigmentation and your physical appearance. Overall, um, you know the, the genetic makeup of humankind is you know ninety nine point nine nine percent similar to everybody. It's more now the moral and cultural characteristics of human beings that are changing. And then obviously with technology shaping up, uh, who knows what else may be thrown up uh, in time, but uh, that remains to be seen. Uh,
0: Dr. Muhammad, Iqbal, um, amazing. I just want to know in the end, um, have you been to Africa? Because we're asking our listeners um, who have been to Africa what they have seen in Africa. If you want to share your thought as well, it it would be amazing
4: unfortunately i haven't been to africa but uh, i over the last 30 odd years i've had a lot of students from nigeria ghana who you know i i'm very fond of and i tend to support them in their living at the university etc so i've had a lot of dealings with the uh, africans here in uh, bradford a great admiration very honest very decent uh people in my view Uh, So now, closest I got to was uh, the Sinai, I think, uh, Shamal Sheikh, uh, uh, part of Egypt, which is Africa, but it's not the real, you know, the the main part of Africa. Western Africa is where some very interesting developments are taking place. Uh, Africa has given us so much, and I think in the future it will uh, give us uh, a lot more as well. Allah only knows what his plans are.
0: True, true. No, um, Dr. Mohamed Iqbal, thank you for joining. Uh, really nice listening to you as well. And the listeners, if you want to uh, listen to his voice again, you can do so. L- Living History on Voice of Islam, you can listen to his show or you can listen yeah. to... Pre- By
4: the way, there's a full program on this, The Origins of Man, full one hour discussion and there are other scientific discussions as well. So please do. Thank you for promoting
0: that. You're most welcome. Thank you for joining as well.
4: As-salamu
0: the Listeners, um, this was Dr. Muhammad Iqbal, and interesting points he has basically raised as well. As, and uh, I think you know, um, th- you know, the thing I like uh, is that he proves as well from the Holy Quran. It's not just he just said it, or he brings out like a book that his, that particular person said. Now he brings out the book which was revealed to the Holy Prophet by Allah, mentioning. The verses as well. This is, what is very interesting, um, Yusuf. Uh, I know it's. Uh, I just want to know, like, coming back uh, to Africa, uh, and especially about what the community has done for Africa. Um, can you tell us um, about the jamaat involvement in different African countries? In
3: the early stages of the jamaat, uh, the jamaat has uh, proven to be uh, one that supports progress of Africa a lot, uh, most notably in the uh, aspect of education and medical facilities I mentioned earlier, but besides that, even when we look into the political life of Africa, uh, we catch that uh, whenever the African continent gets its right, most of the time it has always come with the influence of the Jamaat Ahmadiyya. For example, uh, a former prime minister of Nigeria will always say that if it has seems uh, to actually decide, I mean to present in relation to the verities of Islam today and it's going to come confidently it is about what he has learned from the Jamaat Ahmadiyya. Likewise, the uh, early newspaper of the Jamaat in Nigeria about uh, the truth as was uh, possibly the uh, priority of the government at that time in getting real information, true information of what is going on in the country as against uh, the defense propaganda Likewise, when we look into a country like Ghana during some uh, decades back when the country was in serious chaos, uh, it was through the blessing of the crisis of the Jamaat Ahmadiyya that those chaos, they were able to resolve the, uh, the chaos, and by the grace of God, it, the stability is now in the country that each and everyone mentioned whenever they come to Ghana that, okay, the country is calm, the country is good, but it wasn't just like this in the beginning. I mean, decades ago, it wasn't like this. And uh, for that as a recognition of that particular effect, we can see that even within the peace council of the country, the one who, all is, who is always present and many times heads the peace council of the country is whoever is the Amir of the Jamaat Ghana. Um, that's just the case within Ghana. If we look into the Gambia, for example, uh, the MTA the MPB Gambia is considered as a... As a valuable asset to the country, to the point that even in order to disseminate information to the populace, the government always wish to use the NTA chairman. most especially what uh, the period we experienced during the uh, COVID 19. I met with the coordinator of NTA and he was actually making reference to, that, to this uh, action from the government that they will always bring a recommendation. For MTA to disseminate the information, affect the existence of the national TV channel, and that is just to uh, mention on just a social level within uh, sense that each and everyone would agree. Not to talk of the core political decisions that took place within uh, West African continent and would be for which the continents can, I mean, the countries, the those governments, always bear witness to that. The presence of this particular man who is from the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in the division has been a huge impact on the right decision
0: that we're able to make. Amazing, uh, Yusuf. Uh, truly amazing to listen to you as well today. Uh, really enjoyed it as well, uh, what you have shared and, uh, and what um, projects the community had and ha- still have uh, in Africa as well. Um, Yusuf, thank you for joining The Break f- uh, For Show. I hope one day we can have you again as a panel in The Break For Show. Uh, I wish you all the best for the future and thank you again. You just listened to Yusuf Mishni uh, from Nigeria, originally from Ghana, and amazing what the uh, Nusa Jahan scheme has basically done and especially amazing what the Khulafahs what they have done and the prayers they have fend uh, off for the African people as well. It is truly amazing and Doctor Muhammad Saab, uh, he has said one thing that there are so many things we can get from Africa. As well and God knows. Uh, in the end, he said uh, exactly God knows what he has planned for that great uh, country. I know for one thing that the second caliph, um, he has said that one day Africa will be so um, modernized and will be so advanced that people that uh, even if they make one cream, people from the west will look and try to get that particular cream because it will be so advanced in that time interesting uh interesting indeed and uh, in, 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 no doubt that africa that country that continent has to give so much it's uh, truly amazing and uh, i think and you know the amazing thing is that these people they are very welcoming very open hearted as well uh, it's very nice to live with them to talk with them as well um, but coming to the actual point now as well um, uh, because, often uh, uh, you have said that, and you have mentioned a few proof proofs as well that our ancestors, they are basically from Africa, then they migrated from Africa. But um, what is the main cause of the migration? And where were the first migrants, where did they, where did they go from Africa?
1: So um, basically, the well-watered uh, corridor of the Levant served as a pathway for modern humans to migrate out of Africa during the last interglacial period. So the movement uh, was likely driven by the favorable environmental condition in the region, um, including abundant water sources and essential resources for survival. The recent findings in the Jordan uh, Rift Valley zone provided evidence supporting this hypothesis. So the first migrants out of Africa were likely uh, headed towards the various regions in the Levant, including modern-day countries such as Israel, Jordan, Lebanon, Palestine, and Syria. Um, so uh, regarding the Islamic perspective, the Promised Messiah, uh, peace be upon him, has uh, said actually much earlier than the um, mentioned discoveries um you know became public that um, uh, that we believe in the existence of a human race before adam and an english scholar of astronomy uh, professor reed met the promised messiah on 12th may and 18th may in 1908 in lahore and asked him a few questions as reported in malfour's volume 10 page uh, 353 And, um, and among other questions he asked is that it is written in the bible that adam or say the first man was born in Jehon, Sihon, and belonged to that country, are then all the mankind that is found in different parts of the world, like America and Australia, the descendants of the same Adam? So to this question, uh, the promised Messiah replied, we do not follow the Bible in holding that the world began, began with the first birth of Adam six or seven thousand years ago. And that before there was uh, nothing, and God was you know as it uh, were idle and without work, and neither do we claim that all mankind who are now found in different parts of the earth are the progeny of the self-same Adam. And so on the contrary, we hold that that this Adam was not the first man, man mankind existed existed even before him as is hinted by the Quran itself when it says to Adam, and I'm about to place a khalifa on earth. So as khalifa means successor, it is clear that man existed even before Adam. Hence we cannot say whether the original inhabitants of America, Australia, are the progeny of this last Adam or some other Adam gone before him. Amazing, especially, you know, you, you just said about Adam
0: and the problem of Silas and someone said as well that we believe that the actual Adam, which is mentioned mm-hmm. in the Bible as well and in the Holy Quran as well, lived 6,000 years ago. And the listeners, you know, me. I, need, I want to share this with you that one day <coughs> I had a, like, uh, I met one um, archaeologist student mm-hmm. yeah, uh, for coffee and um we discussed certain thing, and I asked him did he study the history or, uh, which is mentioned in the Holy Quran as well. And he said he he has not so much interest in religious studies. Okay. And I said, yeah, the, the thing I'm asking is because, you know, we have a lot of com- uh, th We have <coughs> a lot of uh, in common because we don't ch- uh, um, particularly believe what is mentioned in the Bible which it comes to history. We say that... F- then I started with Adam. That we believe that Adam um, it was, was not the first man but... He was believed to live six thousand years ago, which is mentioned in the Quran, and he was like surprised, like what, really? Because this is what we believe as well, (laughs) right? And and he was totally surprised; he couldn't even imagine that. Yeah. And uh, he was surprised to to know that this was mentioned in the Holy Quran, and he somehow I told him myself that this was real to the Holy Prophet thousand four hundred years ago, which you have discovered now. Maybe I don't know. 30, 40 years ago was discovered already 1,400 years ago by the Prophet of Islam and uh, this shows that in Quran because I told him that the Holy Prophet never went to a school and he was raised in a society where people were uneducated uh, and uh, still someone has told him about that with a very particular fact which all Muslims uh, especially the Muslim of the Muslim community believe and he was very surprised to hear that as well and about you know, about uh, Adam as well. Uh, one thing I, I want to mention as well is that the knowledge of the year of birth of Adam was also revealed by God to the promised Messiah through a vision. Now, according to which Adam was born 4598 solar years before the Holy Prophet, and uh, we also again, Quran many many times clarifies that as well that he was, as Ashim has mentioned as well, not the first human being. But there were other human beings who lived before him as well, but he was the first human being, or let's say the first. He was the first prophet who lived in a period where people had started developing. Yeah, yeah. Stop living in, uh, um, uh, yeah, coming out from the stone age and start developing as well. We don't say that this happened in the whole world, but it happened started particular in one part, especially where Adam was sent as well. So this is what basically our belief is. Um, Asim, um I just want to know, just one last question. I really Absolutely, want to yeah. know if that um this move from our ancestors, it also helped to progress, especially human race. It helped to, to progress. Um Why, like, still, I want to know why is it essential that this particular move helped us to progress?
1: Absolutely. You know, the migrations of Africans 84,000 years ago was crucial for the progress of the human race. Uh, Climate induced factors such as droughts in Africa may have triggered this migration, and starvation and the risk of extinction likely promoted early humans to venture out of Africa. So the migration allowed for the exploration and settlements of new regions, fostering genetic uh, diversity and the development of, you know, diverse cultures, the expansion into new environment outside of Africa um, potentially contributed to the spread of human innovation and knowledge. So this uh, climate shift and greening in the Middle East uh, possibly uh, provided new sources and opportunities for early human uh, populations. Even, you know, uh, for the am the Muslim community, um, it, migration was, uh, a, a, you know, a massive factor of progressing. Hmm. Um, you know, the promised Messiah was revealed that I shall cause thy message to reach the corners of the earth. Um, he states that my Lord had revealed to me and promised me that he will help me till my message reaches the east and west of the earth the oceans of truth will be stirred till the people look with wonder on the bubbles riding upon its waves. So, you know, we can see that how the MDs have um, migrated from from India, from Pakistan Mm. to all the corners of the world. And, you know, the message has reached um, all the corners of the world as well.
0: I mean, um, we're talking about, like, Puah, right it was sad that his enemies would tell him that you know you your message will not leave even the village of God exactly exactly, which is nowadays in our tone right and then uh, when it somehow was spread in Punjab, right they said, oh, it won't leave Punjab then when it left Punjab as well, and it covered different parts of India, they said, oh it won't leave India, <laughs> right this is what they said yeah, yeah. they said that his message won't leave, and you know this is one thing one thing. Was Allah said that the truthfulness of a prophet is that he will always be alone and suddenly the whole nation will stand against him and will try to stop him. Maybe he will be alone and suddenly, suddenly his number will increase and his message will go all around the world as well. And one fact that he is true is that his message is still alive. You know about the false prophet, Allah said that he won't give him such much long time mm-hmm. to prevail. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we see that the message of the uh, Promised Messiah was more than hundred years ago old. Sorry, hundred years old, and so many people came to stop this message, but they never succeeded. Right? Even now they're trying, but they won't succeed because this message is spreading and people are accepting the truth, uh, the truth of the is uh, And we are talking about countries, right? Right? Then in the time of the Promised land, they thought that it would be never possible that this message will reach um, uh, England to Britain, to British com- uh, colonies, other, other British colonies as well. But it reached. Now we're talking about countries like Samoa, Marshall Islands, yes, where the only uh, Muslim community we see is the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. So this is the truth of a prophet in the end. And um, dear listeners, if you want to learn more about the Prophet Messiah, Peace, Peace, upon him, you can do so. You can stand here with the voice on the radio. We have a TV channel dedicated only for that topic, for, for for the spreading of the true message of Islam. Or we have an uh, um, internet site, www.alaislam.org. Listeners, we are going now for a short break, but we will be back after the break. So do me a favour, stay tuned with Wolf of Islam Radio uh, and don't go anywhere.
5: Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhis salaam. He is wonderfully omnipotent and marvellous are his holy powers, while on the one hand he allows ignorant opponents to attack his friends like dogs, On the other hand, he commands the angels to serve them. In the same way, when his wrath comes upon the world and his anger surges against the wrongdoers, God watches over and protects his chosen ones. Were it not so, the entire mission of the people of God would end in disarray and no one would be able to recognize them. His powers are infinite, but they are revealed to people in proportion to their belief. Those who are blessed with certainty and love and sever all ties for him, and have broken free from selfish habits, it is for their sake that miracles are shown. God does what he wills, but he chooses to demonstrate his miraculous powers only to those who break from their ill habits for his sake. In this day and age, there are very few people who know him and believe in his extraordinary powers. Writings of the Promised Messiah salam. On one occasion this humble one saw,
2: in a state of vision, Surah Al-Fatiha written on a piece of paper which was in my hand and the writing was so beautiful and attractive as if the paper on which it was written was loaded with soft rose petals beyond count. As I recited the verses of the Surah, many of these rose petals flew upwards producing a sweet musical sound. The flowers were very delicate, large, beautiful, fresh and full of fragrance. As they ascended, my heart and mind were perfumed with their fragrance and I felt so intoxicated
1: that the delight that I had experienced turned my heart completely away from the world and all that is in it. This vision indicates that the rose has a special spiritual affinity with Surah Al-Fatiha.
0: In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, have merciful dear listeners. Welcome back to Breakfast Show. We start now with the second segment which is News Advance Against Africa's Biggest killer. Malaria, Asim, awesome. You scared? Have you witnessed? I mean, I hope you were, you went prepared to every cost with all the vaccines as well. But malaria is something you don't want to face or you don't want to have. Um, what is the gist of the story?
1: So, uh, the gist is that a cheap malaria vaccine that can be produced on a massive scale has been recommended for use by the World Health Organization, which is WU.
0: WHO. <laughs> and, uh, as uh, because you know, malaria, a lot of people have, be, have died too because of malaria as well. And we were warned about this disease as well, and therefore we took precautions as well. Um, when you went to Ivory Coast, yes, of course, this was something new for you. Mm-hmm. How, what was the expectation?
1: The expectation, uh, well, well, I didn't go with any expectation. Mm. But uh, I mean, yeah. I have to say that it was the most enjoyable trip.
0: Because the other thing is that when I went, I went to Kenya, right? I went to mm-hmm. East Africa.
1: I want to go to West
0: Africa as well. I really want to go there. And uh, th- what I've seen is that um, people were sitting there in outside their houses. They were eating, and when you would go there, they would call you. They said, mm-hmm. Bismillah, Bismillah. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, come yeah. with the name of Allah. Yeah? come, come and eat with us. Basically, telling us come. Share. They were sharing their food with me. And uh, the other thing is that what I've seen is they hadn't much thing to live with, but they were still happy. I haven't seen any person to be honest. If I look now back, I, I just see people smiling all the time. They were happy. They were enjoying their life, and this is what bas- basically Islam says like this is how the Holy Prophet peace be upon him has also lived his life with less thing to live, right? And when he had something, he would share it with other people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Live in simplicity.
0: Exactly. And this is what we've seen from the people of Africa as well. Dear listeners, if you have anything to share with us about Africa, about these great people, do me a favor call the number is O two O eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or go on our social at Voice Islam UK. Meanwhile, um Asim, why won't you tell us what is malaria and which part of the world is it is spread the most and uh, why is it so harmful to humans?
1: So um, basically malaria is known to be a, a you know fatal disease that is caused by the parasite infected mosquitoes and this uh, usually affects humans mostly in the underrated countries such as Africa. Um uh, this is a disease that can be prevented and also occurred, however, it is a non communicable disease. Um due to high rates of malaria spreading through the Middle Eastern countries WHO has come up with a malaria vaccine program that proposes uh, to vaccinate the children up to the age of 5 as this is the age range being affected the most. Uh, According to the WHO survey and data, around 85% of people in Africa are affected and approximately 95% deaths have been caused due to this. Uh, this disease ha- is spread um, by the bite of uh, blood-sucking mosquitoes. This makes um, building of Im- immunity difficult. Hence, it is difficult to treat it.
0: Interesting. And, um, awesome, um the thing is, Allah the Allah, Allah Almighty has said in the Holy Quran as well that um, He has also given us the source of the medicines which you can use, which you can prevent uh, malaria as well. And uh, I'm talking now from uh, personal experience. I never had malaria, but I took, Mm -hmm. when I went to Africa, I took, like, I had some medicines. Yeah, yeah, so did I, yeah. Which I would uh, use. And uh, I remember when I would, I mean, they were so strong. Um, I remember one of my um, friend. Uh, he took that, and uh, he would feel very dizzy. Oh uh-huh. really? And and uh, sometimes he said like, yeah, he would like every time he would, would take the medicine, he would feel very dizzy for a f- few minutes. Um, but we we you know we want to learn more about it. We want to learn more about malaria. We want to know how we can defeat malaria, right? Uh, and is there any advancements, advancements mentioned in the article and how this will help us to go to that disease?
1: So Absolutely. So the advancement mentioned in the article is that there are currently two vaccines that are made and available for the treatment of malaria. Uh, another development made by the WHO's uh, director is that both vaccines are known to be very similar. Hence, there has been no further evidence to know which one is better than the other A key difference, however, is the uh ability to manufacture the Oxford university vaccine called r s twenty one uh This new development of the vaccine r s twenty one is known to be very cheap, and as it is around uh two to four dollars, this will be helpful for the those using it and Producing it at is cost-effective and much cheaper than the original RTS, S vaccine. This new vaccine only requires smaller doses, which also makes it effective. Uh, another revolution is that uh, both vaccines use almost the same technologies and target the same stage of malaria. This is a progress because it will uh, be easy to identify the changes that may need to be made if. Um, there are any drawbacks to the effectiveness of the vaccine at any stage, and uh, this can also be helpful in identifying for both vaccines any side effects or changes they make in the patient's body. So, an online data shows that the new vaccine, which is called RS twenty one, has turned out to be sem- seventy five percent effective in the areas where malaria is seasonal.
0: This is like a uh, very interesting point you have basically mentioned from especially from who as well. You listen, um, awesome. Um, I'm ready. You know, when uh, when you just, when you just said you went to Ivory Coast, uh, the more don't mind me, the first thing which came to my mind was Didi Dokba.
1: Didi Dokpa, yes, yes, yes. Is, did
0: you meet him? I don't think,
1: no, meet no, meet him. unfortunately, not, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, um, the reason is that Africa has. Produced so many great people, yes, Nelson Mandela. We had Abdul Wahab, right? One of our missionaries of the Amadimsa community. Didi uh, dogba of course, as well. Like in every part of Africa, we see people, scholarly people, skilled people, learned people, amazing people, right? No doubt on that. And even the, the continent of Africa is such a continent; it has a lot of to give as well. And mm-hmm. It is no doubt, and it's very shameful that a lot of people have misused us as well, misused the nice character of these people i the listen if you go again, if you have the chance to go see these people and see the the how they will welcome you, how they will feel you ho that at home that you're basically sitting with one of your family members. Even maybe they're not, but this is how it feels, and uh, the way they treat you, awesome, is so amazing. You know, I'm saying that I've, it's because when we talk about Africa, we need to m- remind that we were sent there to learn. Yeah, what I've learned is that I should be happy for what for the, those things Allah has given to me,
1: absolutely, definitely,
0: A- and I shouldn't look for more if Allah wants mm-hmm. to give it to me. Sure, you can give it to me, yes, of course. They have Few means which I need, and I know Allah will give those two things to me. But, but I've seen from these people that, that you need to be very grateful, to you need to be, and Allah says that be grateful to me, and I will be grateful to you. Mm-hmm. And um, this is for uh, these people from Africa, these great people. They basically taught us that what they, whatever they had, they would be thankful to to Allah Absolutely. that He has provided Definitely. them. And one thing, you know, they are very hard working as well.
1: And especially the, the women are very hardworking as well.
0: When I say they, I obviously mean everyone. Yes.
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, even, you know, Islam teaches us that um, you should always look uh, to a person who's um, not higher or has more wealth or more bigger status. In you, but always look to the person who uh, has less than you. Then you will will also, you know, always will be grateful and not be greedy and, you know, wanting to have more so this this way it can teach us a lot, you know
0: you know the, the thing is you know what I've seen is one thing as well is Africa has a lot of cultures, okay and but interesting is that uh, even though they have a lot of cultures, but it is still that it's very unique that um they are still very close, you know there's something which combines them, that unity very unique which you won't see you won't see in any part of the other countries or other con- uh, co- continents mm-hmm. they have um, you know it is rich in cultural heritage and diversity and of course of natural resources as well and uh, and a lot of tourists, awesome. When I went to Kenya, I saw so many tourists would go. I would see they would go to the safari zone as well, which you see, you know, animals which you normally only would see in televisions, and you would see them live. And this is the right, the thing that we we need to know about the largest continent of the world. Listen, um, there are forty five countries in Africa. I just checked it. I just wanted to know the real number. And again, awesome. The unique thing is, is even though they have so many cultures, so many languages, but still there's unity in this continent. And unity is needed around the whole world. And this is one point, you listen, we need to understand, we need to learn about that because unity is missing. Right? And if you go now, if you see that we have wars in Ukraine, we have war in the Middle East as well, we have war on different parts of the world. Humanity is left as well. You know, People, the sense of humanity, the sense of the feelings of human beings is is, uh, is is not there anymore. Sometimes you can't see it, but you will find it in Africa. That's, that's the main thing, you know. And I think these people, they can help us to progress more and more and more. Dear listeners, um, we go now for a short break. Um, do me a favor, stay tuned with the Wall Street Islam Radio, uh, and we will be back after the short break. Persecuted for your beliefs
5: jailed for your faith, and exiled from your homeland, but you refuse to turn to bitterness or vengeance. Instead, His Holiness has emerged as a leader of wisdom and compassion, a champion of nonviolence among
6: nations. No society can truly succeed unless it guarantees the rights of all of its peoples, including religious minorities, whether they're Ahmadiyya, Muslims in Pakistan, or Baha'i in Iran, or Coptic Christians in Egypt.
5: I would like very much to confirm my support for
4: the work that His Holiness and the Ahmadi Muslim community are doing, particularly in London.
6: Even I didn't know when I was elected, then my name even will be proposed. The election is the same as the Pope is elected,
4: but without smoke.
5: I know you are a regular uh, visitor and speaker to uh, parliaments and assemblies around the world, whether it's the U.S. Congress or or the European Parliament.
6: Let it be clear that I am not speaking in support or favor of any particular individual country. What I wish to say is that all forms of cruelty, wherever they exist, must be eradicated and stopped. Regardless of whether they are perpetrated by the people of Palestine, the people of Israel, or the people of any other country. In this, we are allied with His Holiness, a courageous champion of religious freedom and of peace.
0: I'm very glad that the movement I asked, will do something to correct this image. Islam means peace.
4: I should thank Your Holiness for your highly enlightened sermon. Not only... For the Ahmadis, but I would say for all mankind. Love for all and hatred
6: for none. And this message, not only for Muslims, but for everybody.
2: You are a man, though of humble beginnings,
0: your leadership has made you a figure of global prominence. And you have become a guide for millions of Muslims worldwide. In the name of Allah, the most gracious ever, merciful dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. And we were talking about the great continent, Africa. We were talking about the great people of Africa. And, of course, we, we talk about the vaccine, which is also very important. Um, I think, uh, I, I think all of you will agree, who have been to Africa, that Africa, in, in terms of wildlife, in terms of the people, in terms of the way they live, it is something you need to experience as well. But, of course, when you go, you need to take precautions as well, especially about vaccines as well. Um, this is, we have a short uh, clip prepared, uh, which I want to uh, show you as well. Um, do me a favor, stay in tune uh, um, with the voice on radio, and we will be back after that clip. Dear Hazur. There have been many negative sentiments in the public, including amongst Jamaat members and others regarding the COVID vaccine. Some Jamaat members who are office bearers are also not vaccinated. Dear Hazur, what is your advice for these people and how can we encourage them to follow government guidelines?
6: You see, the thing is that uh, whatever government is doing is for our betterment. Right? And we should... uh, Acknowledge it by accepting uh, vaccine, yeah? by getting vaccine. Right? So, if office bearers is not doing it, they are doing it wrong. If they say that no, if, when, when there was an outbreak of plague during the time of the Prophet Messiah, that was a sign shown to Prophet Messiah. And even those people living in Qadian were asked by the Prophet ﷺ that okay you cannot be vaccinated even then Allah will save you. But he never asked the in general that nobody should get vaccinated or get the anti-plague jab, right? So this argument is the wrong argument. See. My advice is that they should get vaccination, right? And uh, as far as the masks are concerned, they should uh, wear masks. They should cover their, their mouth and nose. And this is one of the requirements. When you are in a public place, you should do it. So those, I can only say that those who are not uh, following this protocol are actually, if they are literate, even then they are ignorant. They are educated ignorant people. Right? So that is what I can say. See here in Islamabad, we all, you see every person who enters Islamabad gate, he has to get. Uh, show, the, show the, the, the proof that he is vaccinated, double vaccinated. Then, after that, he will be tested again, COVID test. Then he will, he will be allowed to enter Islamabad. And despite that, he will be asked to cover your the face with the mask, right? Even in the mosque and during juma prayer you must have seen that those sitting in front of me they're all wearing masks right so if these people are not following they are actually not uh, trying to uh, harm the themselves but to other, other people as well so they are totally ignorant people and uh, they should not uh, be remained as office bearer if they are office bearer, okay?
0: Which is our work. You just listen to His Holiness Mr. Masood Ahmed, uh, and um, you know uh, about love uh, vaccination and about medicine. Um, I don't remember. Asim, you might remember as well, on MTA, which is the uh, television station of the Hamidi Muslim community. Uh, there was a series of lectures given by the fourth caliph of the American Muslim community about homeopathic medicine, uh, and uh, and we see now there are so many dispensers and uh, clinics, uh, which are run uh, by the community as well, to give free medicine to people.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, I mean, homeopathic medicine has cured many ailments, which allopathic medicine could not treat, and it's gaining greater support around the world. Uh, and uh, this is like. One point, you know, this is how uh, this is how why we should take advantage of these things as well in the end, I, and uh, you will agree with me that I mean you have taken homeopathic uh, medicine as well. I have taken it as well, and
1: it helped. Of course, it helps. I mean, we should. I mean, it's free also for our community, and I mean everyone can take it. It's it's, it's very cheap as well, and it has a great effect on other stuff as well. You know, other medicine we are
0: coming now to the end of the show and we talk about Africa the reason we talked about Africa is that it has a growing population and demographers estimate that in 2050 one of four people on earth will be African and you know to be clear Asim, green resources we find in Africa are very crucial for the 21st century you can't deny that fact and that's why a lot of people have their eyes on this that continent but the only thing I don't want is modern slavery. I want this to end. And I want the share should be <coughs> given everyone equally. So everyone everyone in this world well can take benefits from it. It's sure that if everyone would be shared equally, everyone could have uh, benefited from it. Mm-hmm. Um the is as I said the unity I like from the African people as well. We have the Pama as well, uh the Pan African Ahmadi Muslim Association, which was initiated by His Holiness. Uh, which is also you can see the purpose is basically to serve Islam, but you can see the unity among these people is very great it's, and so amazing that when you see it, you, you only thing you can is to admire that and that you want to learn from this as well. You want to be apart from this as well. The listeners, um, as I said, we have reached the end of the show. I hope you have enjoyed the show today. Uh, as always, if you want to ma- learn more about Islam. You can stay tuned with the world Islam radio or you can tune in tomorrow at the same time if you want to listen to another episode of Breakfast Show or you can go to our um, website www.allislam.org or you can go on YouTube and uh, you can watch our program as well and uh, Muslim television one as well. Lisa um, thank you thank you to our producer Halma Ahmed thank you to you awesome to our researchers. Sabajas, Barira, Haroon, Sobia, Ahmed, and of course to Adnan, our technical support today as well, as well to Yusuf as well who came joined from Nigeria as well for the first segment. Dear listeners, uh, stay healthy, may the peace and blessing of Allah be with you all.